Hello everyone and welcome to Josh's, actually I'm behind, this is Josh and I am on with the Get Your Goat podcast. It is nice to be here on a Friday, how wonderful it is, weekend coming up and the Pro Bowl is happening, the Pro Bowl is going down, the AFC versus the NFC and it is a different event this year, virtual, it's a Madden game, Uh, nothing like we've seen before, no craziness in Hawaii, no big plays, nothing like that. It's all Madden, not a real game. So first, I'm going to break this down. Who had the who would have the advantage? What would happen if this was a real game taking place, not Madden? And when you look at the rosters, they're both excellent, both stacked, but if this game would be playing in real life, NFC would have the advantage. Why would they have the advantage? Well, Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the NFL right now, he is would be playing in the Super Bowl, so he wouldn't be playing this week for the Pro Bowl. So you had to have Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, and another person. And then in the NFC, you'd have likely MVP Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. To me, a uh, quarterback there is too good without Patrick Mahomes on the AFC. NFC would have the advantage with Rodgers, with Wilson, with Murray, and they would have the edge, I believe, especially on the field, making the plays, the decision-making of Rodgers and Wilson out there as quarterbacks over Allen and Watson. Uh, That's a far superior combo. And to me, it's not even a slight advantage. If it was Patrick Mahomes, I'd be tossing and turning. But with Patrick Mahomes out, uh, those quarterbacks over there on the NFC side are just better to me than the quarterbacks there on the AFC. Now you have running back. And to me, AFC has the advantage because they have the best running back on the league in their team. I don't care who's behind him. They have Derrick Henry. They have a 2,000-yard rusher. They have back-to-back rushing titles and Derrick Henry. Uh, You have the leader in touchdowns, attempts, rushing yards, all the stats for Derrick Henry. That's how good he is. And behind him, you don't have a scrub. You've got Nick Chubb, and then you've got Josh Jacobs. To me, a Derrick Henry-Nick Chubb combo is too good compared to the one you've got in the NFC with Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Aaron Jones. Again, none of them uh, are bad by any stretch of imagination. They're all balling. They're all good. Uh, but they got one's got Derrick Henry, uh, one doesn't. Uh, no offense, I love Alvin Kamara. This definitely, this definitely, can't speak now. This definitely is a different running style for the NFC, uh, east-west running, whereas the AFC is uh, north and just run it down your throats with the backs they have back there. Then you have wide receivers, and again, NFC has the advantage. Why is that? Well, AFC it has no Tyreek Hill. Uh, they do have Stephon Diggs, amazing wide receiver. Keenan Allen, A.J. Brown, but with no Tyreek Hill out his speed, uh, that's a game changer. Whereas the NFC has Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, D.K. Metcalf, Justin Jefferson. Uh, those wide receivers are too good. And to me, that's going to be just a real good matchup if those guys are on the field, if they were on the field, if this was a real game playing at the same time. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs going against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, uh, the two best 
a wide receiver quarterback duos right there Josh Allen Stephon Diggs Devontae and Aaron Rodgers uh that's just special uh to me Devontae was the number one wide receiver end of the year and Stephon was number two uh that's just how it was but if Tyreek was over on the other side he's the third best wide receiver this year he looked like the best beginning of the year that he's a game changer him and his speed the plays he's able to do and run that would be huge if they were actually playing this game and then same with tight end because the Chiefs offense basically is that AFC team except for running back so guess what tight end out uh no Kelsey but I'm actually still taking the AFC tight end is an advantage because they have Darren Waller who was the second best tight end in the league this past year uh he was just so good uh I think he had a career year across the board. He looked amazing all year between him and uh, Derek Carr. Uh, Darren Waller is no scrub. Whereas the NFC has TJ Hawkinson and Evan Ingram. Again, TJ Hawkinson played amazing. Uh, the best tight end in the NFC, second best tight end of the league is George Kittle. But he was out most of the year, ankle injury. So I can't fault him for that. He was injured. But guess what? Darren Waller came in and had an amazing year. And to me, that's why AFC would have the advantage in this game would be because of Darren Waller as that tight end. Fast, elusive, big tight end. Then I'll skip over the offensive lines as they're both good. Both studs on both ends of the uh, field with uh, Jason Kelsey arming one and... Marquise Pouncey arming another but then you have defensive ends and I have to go with the NFC having the advantage they're just too deep there with uh, Cameron Jordan Brandon Graham and Chase Young uh, probably the defensive rookie of the year Chase Young I mean he looked amazing so that rotation right there is too formidable but AFC is good too Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa, Frank Clark wouldn't end up playing, but I, I don't even think Frank Clark should be in the Pro Bowl. I'll get to that in a little bit. I don't think he deserves to be there. But yeah, Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa on both ends is to a, a wrecking ball tandem. But then again, Cameron Jordan, Brandon Graham, and Chase Young, uh, that's too much. That Chase Young, to me, is a deciding factor. Having that one to rotate in is too good. And then outside linebackers, and I mean just linebackers, I was torn between this one, but I had to go with NFC, I mean AFC, having the advantage. Uh, why? They have TJ Watt, Bradley Chubb, and Darius Leonard, who look like one of the best middle linebackers of the season. But NFC, it was tough to go because they've got Khalil Mack, Zadarius Smith, and Bobby Wagner. To me, it was a toss-up, but... Darius Leonard had such a good year this past year, and T.J. Watt leading the league in sacks. I'm sorry, uh, that's just too good. And sometimes he even plays on the end. He'd probably line up on DN with this game, and it would be too tough if this was a real game. And then cornerbacks, this was so hard for me uh, to go between because the starters are Jalen Ramsey and Jair Alexander for the uh nfc like the number one number two corner this past year that duo that's lockdown stuff uh 
but the AFC has Xavier Howard, uh, takeaway Ballhawk Master, and Tredavious White, who's no slouch, with Marlon Humphrey and Stephon Gilmore backing them up. And backups in the NFC were Marshawn Latimer and James Bradbury. Uh, if I'm going on depth here, definitely would go with AFC, because if you got Stephon Gilmore and Marlon Humphrey in your back pocket, uh, that's too good. But to me, the stars of the game are Jalen Ramsey, Jair Alexander. They're better than any corner in the AFC right now, so I would have to pick them as the top dogs. I'd have to give them a slight advantage just because those two guys are so good, so good. Uh, Jalen Ramsey doesn't get that many interceptions. Why? Nobody throws his way. Nobody really tests him, and you shouldn't because he's too good. And then safeties, uh, this was tough to give to one, but I'd have to give up to uh, the AFC, and that's tough too because the Honey Badger wouldn't be playing in this game. But they got Minka Fitzpatrick, Justin Simmons, two great safeties there. And to me, this surprised me in the NFC. I think Quandre Diggs is really good. I don't think he's the best free safety, but he plays really good. And then Buda Baker is a stud, best strong safety out there. And I was surprised by Jamal Adams. Uh, yeah, he's To me, he's more of a, like the linebacker type scheme in the box. Uh, blitz, sacks, can't really cover. So that surprised me because I didn't think he had a great year this year. Uh, he had a good year, made some impactful plays, but he wasn't a game changer, wasn't a two-round pick worth at all, at least in my mind. And then, to me, lastly, you have special teams, and uh, AFC, to me, has a distinct advantage. Uh, Jake Bailey was, like, one of the best punters uh to me, in the end, played better than Jack Fox for the Lion, who was, Lions, who was doing really good. Kickers, uh, Justin Tucker's all reliable. Yes, he's missed a couple this year. One was a jinx by uh, Joe Buck, but in the playoffs, he did miss it too. Again, heavy wind, and the Falcons have young way coup, but Justin Tucker is all reliable. He's a trusted guy. And you got your return specialist in Cordero Patterson for the... Uh, NFC, who's good, but then in the AFC, you got Andre Roberts for the Bills, and then uh, all special teams stand out every year for the Patriots, Matthew Slater. So to me, the AFC has the advantage there. And to me, even with the players that would be out for the AFC, I still would like the AFC to win this game barely uh, because of our Derrick Henry and that, to me, is the biggest reason uh, they wouldn't be able to slow Derrick Henry down. Play action would open up Nick Chubb. You have all those guys, and that defense is just as good. To me, this would have been such a fun game to watch. It would have been amazing to watch, but guess what? It's not happening. It's a Madden tournament. So I would have the AFC winning, and even since it is a video game, I would have the AFC winning as well. Why? Because Henry is unstoppable on Madden. I love playing Madden. I play Madden all the time. Love Madden 21. Me and my brother play it. And guess what? I'm the Titans all the time, and nobody can stop Derrick Henry. I'm on all Madden. I adjust the game cha- game sliders to benefit the CPU AI. And guess what? Uh, Derrick Henry always racks up yards. Do that on a franchise mode. I'm getting 2,000 yards a season with Henry. I'm breaking all kinds of rushing records. 
He's unstoppable, Madden. I'm sorry. Uh, you bring the blitz. You bring the pressure. He breaks tackles. He gets his X-Factor going. He automatically breaks the initial one. To me, that's the unstoppable matchup. And then I think if they're doing the Madden, they have Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes on the team. Uh, that's unstoppable with Madden as well. That's too good. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, so accurate. Tyreek Hill, so fast. He fly by, he fly flies the defensive backs. All you have to do is lob it up four verticals. It's a 50-yard pass completion every time. Uh, so that offense is just too good because in Madden, his focus is more on the offense and the big plays than on defense. That's for sure. And then you also have to realize who's playing the game. And you got two young kids and Henry Watson play Madden. Uh, so to me, that's why they're better. And then you have formidable uh, people with them as well. Snoop Dogg doesn't like to lose, and you got Keyshawn Johnson. Whereas the AFC, you know, Jamal is probably maybe the weak link. I don't see him as a Madden player. Same with Marshawn. But I think Kyler Murray will show up. He'll get some points with himself. And then I don't know much about uh, Bubba Wallace playing in the uh, Madden thing. I know he's a great uh, race car driver. But in Madden, you know, I just don't know. But this is going to be an exciting Pro Bowl, especially since I'm a huge fan of Madden. My brother's a huge fan of Madden. This will be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to watching this live stream as well. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be really good to watch. And as I said, I didn't like Frank Clark uh, being there as well in the Pro Bowl. The other one I don't like is actually Kyler Murray being there. Uh, I think I've said this in a previous podcast, but Brady should have been there. I mean, come on, 40 touch, touchdown, forty touchdowns, over 4,000 passing yards. Uh, he played amazing for a 43-year-old. At least give him a Pro Bowl nod. Kyler Murray played well in the beginning, but down the stretch, he didn't play well, didn't lead his team to a playoffs and a win game. Of course, he, was, he got injured down the stretch, but they had a few winnable games that they didn't win. Whereas the Patriots won their games, got into the playoffs, and now are in the Super Bowl. I know it's more of a regular season Pro Bowl type thing, but guess what? Uh, Tom Brady is the GOAT. You just do it because he's the GOAT. That's all there is to it. That's all the reason there is to put him into the Pro Bowl, because he's a GOAT. Now, if he had a truly terrible season, uh, maybe injured, you know, I'd be fine with that if he didn't do good. But guess what? He had an amazing season and the best season ever for a 40-year-old. And he's just so, so good, so talented. Him protected with that line in the NFC with Devontae Adams. If this was game was actually happening, uh, that offense to me would have been unstoppable because he's better than Aaron Rodgers. His decision-making is better than Aaron Rodgers. He can read defenses better than Aaron Rodgers. He's just a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers, and people want to say, oh, Aaron Rodgers is more talented, but uh, Tom Brady's more accomplished. And that doesn't make sense because talented people are accomplished. I know plenty of talented people. Some are more accomplished than others, but they're all accomplished. I can't say that, oh, this person I know, he's talented, but guess what? He's got no accomplishments to show for. He's got nothing to show for it. Uh, yeah, he's got one Super Bowl. That was 10 years ago. That was a long time ago. Whereas Tom Brady has six Super Bowls. Uh, he's so accomplished because he is immensely talented and the best quarterback of all time. Uh, you can't say Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback of all time. 
uh, by any stretch of imagination. Yes, he makes great throws, but Tom Brady's made great throws. Tom Brady uh, comes back and defeats teams. Aaron Rodgers chokes, doesn't show up, doesn't perform to his high of a standards or of a standards actually we put him on, uh, mentioning him in the GOAT conversation. I know I don't, but a lot of people do. And I think that's bad. That's bad for his ego. Uh, he thinks he can kind of strut in there, walk in there uh, into Canton, and you know he'll be in the Hall of Fame, but uh, he's nothing near what Tom Brady is. So we just need to stop that slander uh, all in all together. Uh, Aaron Rodgers isn't even worthy to walk in the same room as Tom Brady. He don't have two Super Bowls, so uh, sorry, Aaron Rodgers. I'll see you later. Uh, have fun in Green Bay. It's cold there, and uh, you ain't winning anything there anytime soon. And then one more thing I've got to say in the NFL is I have to applaud the NFL for managing COVID-19 to the best of their abilities, poning up the dough for all the tests. It was like $100 million or something with everything they had to do uh, this year for different quarantines and game switching and all that business. And I got to say, Roger Goodell did a great job. Nobody thought they could pull it off. It looked scary in the beginning with the Titans and the Steelers game, the Patriots getting delayed, and then the midseason shift of the Baltimore Ravens. It was like, uh, oh, no, it was trends going up and down. But then at the end, they finished strong. And guess what? They finished a season, no cancellations, which was amazing. They played a full season, now going into the Super Bowl. Uh... So, bearing any unforeseen occurrence where both teams get COVID or something crazy happens, uh, this season, to me, was a great success for the NFL and just a great success in general how in, how in a pandemic you can still play professional sports and do it as safe as you can. Uh, so, thank you, Roger Goodell. Thank you for making this possible, having a football season. And then it became official. Deshaun Watson officially requested a trade. He wants out of Houston. Uh, he's done there. They hired a coach, and he's done. He thought he would be there, and he's not going to be there anymore. So that is huge news. Uh, that's something we've talked about a lot on this podcast, but it was just speculation before, you know, where could he go? He could request a trade, but he's done now. He's going. He's leaving. He's gone. And... Well, he's not like gone yet, but he's going to be gone, is my point. Uh, I don't think you can mend the relationship, uh, his tweets, and then what's been coming out of the media. It's just not a good situation there in Houston. Uh, Houston, you have got a problem. And that's Deshaun Watson wanting out. And to me, I think the rumor I hear is Jets. He ranked the Jets ahead of the Dolphins. I don't think the Dolphins will give up on Tua. They spent a lot of draft capital on him high, drafted up, and they don't want to just get rid of all their draft picks they have this year for Deshaun Watson and Tua. And I don't think the Dolphins should do it. Jets, on the other hand, I think the Jets should do it. I think they should get a Deshaun Watson. I think they should trade their first-round pick, trade Sam Darnold, and but not trade too much. But Deshaun Watson is a game-changer. Put him in there with Robert Sala. Guess what? You got a stud quarterback, and then you can at least build around him. He's young, he's mobile. Get an offensive line, get some receivers, get some help. 
focus on the offense. He's a defensive-minded coach. The defense will be fine. I don't worry about the defense. It's the offense I worry about uh, with Robert Sala because if he goes in with Sam Darnold as a starting quarterback, I don't see this team improving on a, much on a 2-14 record. Maybe 4-12, and 5-11, and 11, but Robert Sala is a championship kind of caliber head coach. And that's the mentality he's bringing over to the Jets. So Deshaun Watson, I think, fits the bill. And he's something they should go out there and trade. And then this was a last-minute addition on the show. Uh, I read that you know Matthew Stafford already requested the trade. They're going to honor that trade and everything. But we talked about the Rams being a viable scenario. And this would be a huge blockbuster trade. Because to me, the Rams' biggest weak point is their quarterback. And Jared Goff, who they signed to a huge contract. But guess what? He's not as reliable as he used to be. He's not the guy he was when they signed him. Made it to the Super Bowl. He's fractured is what he is. He's like a Carson Wentz. Both those quarterbacks, one and two now, are done. But then you have Matthew Stafford who is a great quarterback. People pick on him, you know, for not winning games. Uh, Some of the wins, you know, are on him, but some of them aren't on him. You can't blame every loss that you have on the quarterback. I firmly believe that. So I think if the Rams were to get him, of course the Lions would get Goff, and, you know, the Lions would just be terrible because Lions is the Lions. But the Rams would be good, really good. If they don't give up too much, if they give up Goff, couple first-round picks, but if they start giving up uh, assets on defense and backups and role players and this defense is depleted, then I don't think that's in their best interest. But if they can escape with minimal game and get Matthew Stafford in, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Man, uh, I don't know. It'll come to me later, but if a Rams kind of win this deal, and when they get Matthew Stafford, if they get him, uh, they're Super Bowl contenders is what they are with this defense, with a amazing, talented quarterback in Matthew Stafford, with their run game cam makers, uh, with the wide receivers, Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, tight ends Higby. This offense is just would be really, really good and definitely a step up from Jared Goff in this offense. And Jared Goff, I'm sorry, you've got to play better. You earn the max contract, uh, but right now you're not earning it. And you have such a huge contract, and I think the Lions are dumb enough to take it on. So when I read this, I'm a Matt Stafford fan. I'm going to root for Matt Stafford if he goes to the Rams. Of course, that's in conflicting interest with the Seahawks, but I'm not as big as a fan as my brother is. But that would be a huge, huge trade if that were to go down. Now, off to the coaches. Every team now has a head coach. The head coaching carousel is done. All seven teams that needed a head coach have got their head coach. So who was the best head coaching hire? Who was the worst? Well, let's break that down real quick. The worst head coaching hire was David Coley for the Texans. He was the worst. Why was he the worst? Why? Because they hired him, and like the day later, Deshaun Watson asked for a trade. Yes, this has been brewing for a while, but 
guess what? He may be a good coach, but he's an old, older coach. And I'm not a fan right now of older coaches in the league. Uh, yes, he was a great assistant for Baltimore. I applaud him for getting a job. But now his job just got so much tougher because Deshaun Watson will probably no longer be there when they start the season. Uh, this job is now unappealing, a terrible defense. Even with J.J. Watt it's bad. Uh, wide receivers are bad. Uh, everything's bad on the Texans. He's got a lot of work to do. So much work to do. I don't know why he took the job, and I don't think he's a right fit for a long rebuild in Houston, which is what this is going to be. They're going to be the worst team in the AFC South this coming year. Six, coach, second worst hiring, Dan Campbell for the Lions. And this was a toss-up between him and Dan Culley for six and seven. He's just as bad. Why? He gets hired and Matthew Stafford, your franchise quarterback, wants out. That's a problem. And Dan really didn't even say anything in his press conference. Uh, people were hyping up for biting kneecaps, taking kneecaps off. It was all fluff and no stuff. There's a lot of issues to fix on Detroit. Now with a quarterback, uh, wide receivers are free agents, all of them. Danny Amendola, Kenny G, uh, Marvin Jones. Your defense is atrocious, all levels of it. Uh, like the worst defense in the league, it was terrible. You have a lot of fixing to do. And guess what? You've never been a coordinator uh, or had any control of any phase of the game so that's a problem for me that is just is i'm glad you can talk all you want but if you don't back it up guess what you're going to be out awfully quick in this league now uh nick sirani for the nick sirianni for the eagles i don't know much about him i've heard good things but since i don't know much about him he has not a big ticket name i cannot put him as high then arthur smith for the falcons i think he's great uh, play, did great for Tennessee, career years for Tannehill. But guess what? You're leaving a good offense and going to a worse offense. Uh, Julio Jones is injured on and off. They don't have a good run game. Todd Gurley is a shell of his former self. Matt Ryan's a descending quarterback. Yes, you have Calvin Ridley, but this defense is just as bad. Yes, we have uh, Garrett Jack. But that's about all they have is it one studded defense this defense is bad and you're leaving your running style offense play action for a team that can't run the ball and then won't be able to open up play action so uh he's a good hire but for him i think it's an interesting spot for him to go there now we're getting into the upper echelon which is i think brandon stacy for the chargers is going to do excellent offensive minded coach who is in a buffalo uh, helping Josh Allen grow. Guess what? He had left uh, Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs for a worse duo, but definitely a lot of promise, a lot of upside. And Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen also have Mike Williams, Austin Eckler back there. This offense is really good. Anthony Lynn couldn't get him to click. I think Brandon Stacy is going to be the guy. He got it to work with Josh Allen in Cleveland or in Buffalo and. They thought maybe Josh Allen was a lost cause, but he helped him out. And guess what? He's going to be a perfect fit for the Chargers. This was a hire I really, really liked. Then you have the top two. Top two. Uh, Urban Meyer for the Jaguars. 
get why he assembled his staff. They have the number one pick, most likely going to get Trevor Lawrence and their franchise quarterback. Uh, then they got James Robinson running back. Uh, Dax Chark is a wide receiver who's good. So you could have a young, young offense with a lot of upside. Again, there's a lot of risk because it's all young, new coach, new everything, new system. But a lot of upside in this offense, a lot of potential to unlock. And then number one, Robert Sala for the Jets. I've mentioned this previously in this episode and in previous episodes. Uh, He's a motivator. He's a grind guy. He's proven results on defense, even with shabby defensive personnel. Even with guys injured, he doesn't. Uh, Jets, not a good defense. He can shore that up with some schemes. And this offense uh, really needs a lot of help. But to me, Robert Sala is the one to get it done. He's been on winning teams like the Seahawks, 49ers. He can get it done. I think he will get it done. Again, it will take some time. All of these programs, it'll take some time. And But that's the reason why they have new head coaches is because they need uh, some time. None of these are quick fixes. Uh, Jets might be one of the longest uh, fixes, but with the best payoff in the division they are in and where the spot they are in right now, they can grow, they can build. And with Robert Sala as their leader, I I think he's going to take them to extraordinary heights, and I think he's going to end up being a Jets legend and can be one of the best Jets head coaches uh, ever. That's just how I feel about that. Then, now we're going to move into the NBA talk. And in the NBA, there's nothing bigger than the Los Angeles Lakers. And the question is to ask folks, what happened to the Los Angeles Lakers? What happened to them? Watching the game, turning it on and off. Oh, guess what? No AD. AD's out. And the offense is still clicking. They're winning. I'm like, oh, LeBron James is playing well. He's hot. Uh, Look at this. This is an easy win. Next thing I know, their defense folds, can't score a point, LeBron goes cold. They actually didn't score a point for like seven minutes or like two points in seven minutes. It was pathetic, so pathetic to watch. It was so bad. LeBron went ice cold in the second half, like one shot, two shots made. It was bad. Uh, it shows, at least on the defensive side of the ball, uh, how much AD is needed how much he pumps up the other guys, gets the other guys going, gets the other guys excited to play defense in a not in an offensive-minded league, not a defensive-minded league. But AD is that guy, uh, runner-up to the defensive player of the year. They need him playing if they're going to be the number one defense. They are the number one defense, but with him not in the fold, they are not the number one defense. LeBron cannot be cold like that. And guess what? Lakers win, they're the talk of a town. Lakers lose, they're the talk of a town. They lost back-to-back. They play the Pistons again. They have to come out strong. And that's what I mean because we talk about the Lakers when they win. We talk about them when they lose because they're just so good. Uh, and they're the premier team above of the Clippers and the Nets. Yes, Clippers have a better record now. Head-to-head win. But Lakers are still the talk of the town. They are the best show here in the NBA. Clippers get Kawhi Leonard back, uh, Paul George off of the COVID protocols, but 
I don't think that'll be enough when the time comes. Great regular season team, okay. Same with the Nets. Guess what? Playoff time is the time to prove it. Uh, This season, I think the NBA regular season is the most important or more important than it has been in the past. Uh, Usually I'm just one for NBA playoffs, but this NBA season has been very, very exciting. But Lakers are the best team, and LeBron just can't go cold like that. He was looking like uh, Russell Westbrook out there. Really, the king of the cold right now is Russell Westbrook. I'm seeing all these things on 163 points on 163 shots. That is pathetic. Uh, Russell Russell Westbrook is not the guy he once was. I'm sorry. Uh, He can still get triple doubles, uh, but they're not fancy, nice-looking triple doubles. They're sorry, pathetic-looking triple doubles, and he has all the heart. I give him that, but he is no longer a top-10 player in the NBA anymore. Maybe not even top-15. It's that sad, and I feel bad for Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal needs to get out of here before he loses his sanity. Uh, It seems like he's worked up. Uh, He doesn't seem like the guy to request a trade. Uh, He's just a class act is what he is, but they have to get Bradley Beal out of there, get some draft picks, get a return, because the Russell Westbrook-Bradley Beal combo is a disaster. Not because of Bradley Beal. He's showing up and get his points, but it is Russell Westbrook and just their whole defense collectively. They can't stop anybody to save their lives. Uh, uh, I think one of them said they can't stop a parked car. Uh, They can't stop nothing. Uh, from coming, uh, anybody could walk through that defense. It looks like, uh, you know, the capital defense out there it is so bad to watch. And uh, I'm a fan of Bradley Beal. I'd honestly, uh, people won't agree with this, but I want to see him go to the Lakers. You know, trade Kyle Kuzma, trade a first, trade uh, Horton, even though he's good. Uh, but, you know, then you just have an automatic championship. With Bradley Beal, AD, and LeBron, uh, that's what you want. More championships, rack them up, keep it going. Then, now we're moving over to more basketball, but now college basketball. And John Chaney, Hall of Famer, head coach at Temple, died today. My thoughts are with his family. Very sad news, uh, 89 years old. But you have a big, big game tonight. And guess what the conference it is? Oh, the best conference in college basketball, which is the Big Ten. The best of the best and the Big Ten. And a huge game tonight in Iowa and Illinois. A top 25 matchup. Illinois at home. They're a slight favorite. And I just have a hard time in this one. Luca Gerza, uh, player of the year candidate against Illinois. I don't know how Illinois is a slight favorite. I was thinking about picking Illinois, but if I was the underdog at home, they're a better team. I have to go with Iowa. They are really, really good. Then this weekend, tomorrow especially, you have great matchups. Uh, you have the ACC, uh, SEC Big 12 Showdown, Alabama-Oklahoma. Uh, Alabama has been hot, hot, especially in SEC play. Uh, they're getting compared to their football team. It's not just a football school, but a basketball school. And Alabama's playing really well. I expect them to route Oklahoma tomorrow and win and win big. 
Virginia, Virginia Tech, uh, huge battle in the ACC, and Virginia's winning that one. Uh, Virginia Tech's had a couple of impressive wins, but Virginia's the superior, better team. I have to go with Virginia. That's all there is to it. And then lastly, to finish up the SEC Big 12 matchup for top 25 teams is Kansas and Tennessee. I think this will be close, but Tennessee is really uh, struggling of late. They're not rolling like they were beginning of the season, so I have to go with Kansas. Uh, Bill Self is going to have his team under control, and they're going to get it done, and I expect Kansas to win. I don't like Kansas. I'll root for Tennessee, root for the Volunteers, root for that Orange, but I do not see Tennessee beating a really good Jayhawk team. And I'm still upset about Michigan and their uh, two-week uh, postponement on games. I still hope they're not cold, but it's frustrating not watching the number four team play for such a long time. I don't want them to get cold on the sideline. I do not want that at all. Now, sidestepping to the NHL. Uh, you got a shock a couple days ago. Jim Rutherford, general manager for the Penguins, stepped down for personal reasons. Wasn't a retire or anything like that. He just wanted to step down and alleviate his role. And now they've lost like back-to-back times. And that uh, they haven't looked good. They're stinking up the joint. They played terrible against the Bruins. They almost won that first one, lost into overtime. But guess what? When you have a 3-on-0, a 3-on-0, you need to score. Especially when two of those players are Evgeny Malkin and Chris Letang. I know a 3-on-0, it's deceptive because you really don't have time to do passes to all three players because you know you have like everybody kind of crashing and coming in. But when you have Latang and Malkin passing the puck back and forth to each other and they pass it back and forth too many times and they get too cute and you don't even get a shot on net, that's pathetic. That could have won you the game right there and they look bad. Uh, yesterday, uh, Jari looked bad, Tristan Jari. Uh, didn't look good. Their defense didn't look good. They couldn't really get anything on offense. When that bouncing puck came in, they got their second goal late in the first period. For the Bruins, it kind of took all life out of the Penguins, and they didn't look since then. So they need to get their mojo back together. I know Rutherford retired, and Crosby's shocked. We're all shocked, but guess what? you got to get going, and you need to win a championship. You need to get back on the ladder. You are playing really, really solid hockey. Uh Yes, it's deceiving because they've like, been trailing every game, but they've still been winning. They still keep it close. And to me, the Bruins just seem like their kryptonite. As of late, they have a tough time beating the rat, Brad Marchand. And let's keep it real. That's what he is. Brad Marchand is a rat. He's a dirty player. He licks people. He spits on people. And he likes it. He likes that attention. But I don't like him. He can have the attention somewhere else. And somebody would beat that bum up. And now my team's moving on, playing the Rangers this weekend. They came back and beat them twice last week. Let's see if they can replicate this kind of success this weekend. I hope they can. The Rangers had a nice overtime win. They were uh, reeling lately, but they got an overtime win. Uh, First goal for rookie Alexi Lafreniere. Very hyped up rookie. Took him with the number one pick. He finally delivered after being really quiet. And looking like the second coming of Evgeny Malkin with how quiet he's looking. I'm glad Evgeny is saying he's playing terrible because he is playing terrible. I mean, I'm glad he's man enough to say he sucks because he is sucking and you got to fix it. 
Because if you're not going to fix it, you need to go. Then uh, Blue Jackets and Blackhawks play tonight the only NHL game on. Blue Jackets are slight favorites. Uh, they don't have no Pierre-Luc Dubois because of a trade. They still haven't got Patrick Laine or Roslovic. Uh, I don't know how they're slight favorites. I think this will be a good game. But sadly, I have to pick with the Blackhawks. I don't like it. But since they're not starting or they don't have any stars really playing, uh, but guess what? Tortorella is the key and the king of rallying, getting players that, to play and getting teams to win but shouldn't win. Uh, to win, and I think he's going to have one of those performances and coaching gigs in him today, but I like the Blackhawks winning this game. I hope I don't come to regret it, uh, but uh, even with their issues of players being out for the Blackhawks, you still got uh, Patrick Kane and a young team with Dominic Kubelik, uh, Ryan Strom, and Lakin in as goalie. He has been playing decent. Uh, that was kind of a one key issue uh, between like Subban and Dalia, but this guy that Lastly, that they found has been playing really, really well. And speaking of goalies, I'm not done talking about Tristan Jari yet. He's playing bad. Uh, I know I said that. But DeSmith, 2-0. At least start him once against the Bruins. Uh, you started DeSmith two games against Capitals. Yes, Jari looked good over the uh, Rangers. But come on. He loses like four in a row if you don't start DeSmith against the Rangers, who's already uh, done well. Against the Capitals, best team in your division, I might add. Uh, then there's a problem, Mike Sullivan. I'd have to blame this one on you. I'm one of your biggest supporters. I haven't put any of a blame on you, even though I probably should, especially after the Canadians' loss in the playoff series. I, my eyebrows should be raised on you, but they're not yet. Don't force me to do it. Don't force me to do it. And actually, the Stars have been looking good. Uh, coming back from their COVID postponement of their first games, they look like where they left off in the playoff bubble, playing hot. Uh, Radulov, uh, Pavelski, the defense with Klingberg. Um, they had their neon jerseys alternate going. The state of Texas out representing yesterday. They look good against the Red Wings. Red Wings are no longer the terrible, 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 terrible team of the NHL. But the Stars just looked really good last night. And they've been looking really good a lot lately. And then the other NHL news is the Capitals decided to come back against the pathetic Islanders. I mean, you got to be so pathetic to be up 3-0 first period, and one minute later, it's basically a 3-3 game and like 5-3 end of the second period. That's how pathetic the Islanders is with Barry Trotzer as the head coach, not rallying his team at all, not changing anything. Boom, quick bull by Sheary. Oh, and another one, another one by Sherry. It's like two minutes later, all these goals happen. Uh, Islanders, uh, I had higher expectations for them after they beat the Rangers and were playing solid. Now they aren't, and they're just pathetic. I mean, to give that up in the second period like that, I'm sorry. But you have to step up, Islanders, if you want any chance of being anywhere close to the upper echelon of a Metro this year. Uh... You got good last year. Last year was a bubble. It's looking like a fluke is what it is. It is looking like a fluke. That is it for sports today. Uh, Huge news, otherworldly. Uh, The GameStop stock went up, burning hedge funders. 
Uh, same with the AMC stock. I know I missed out on GameStop stock, but I got in on AMC. Uh, I think there's going to be a good return on investment. I'm hoping for it. We kept it above 9 today, even after hours. It's above 9, and that's what I want to see. I want to see it jump up to 100. I want to make some money. I think it'll be good. I missed out on GameStop, had it, sold it, uh, sold it too quick. Uh, but the stock world has basically been turned on their heads. Uh, Robin Hood, with their delays and restrictions uh, yesterday, is pathetic. Uh, Weeble stopping comments and all this and slowing it down. Uh, to me, it's a joke, and they're afraid and they're trying to cover. And they shouldn't be done, because guess what? Uh, you play with fire, you get burned. That's how it is. Same with the stock market. The stock market is free and beautiful, and it's just a beautiful beast that just devours and conquers what it wants. And if it's conquering the short sellers, then guess what? That's what it's going to conquer. But you don't hurt the little guy. You don't hurt the retail investor because the big boys don't know what they're doing. And the little guys do know what they're doing. I'm sorry. You just can't do that. So this week has been crazy. With stocks, Jim Cramer's been telling uh, people to sell their GameStop for whatever reason. Uh, you already won. Uh, you just hit the home run. No grand slam. And you know, shut up, Jim Cramer. Uh, the market is very different than what it was when he was investing heavily and making his money you know, 20, 30 years ago. It's a different stock market. Uh, this is a stock market for millennials and Gen Z take make money so uh that's how it's going to be i'm sorry janet yellen and the sec and all those people as well but i don't want to get too crazy on the stock stuff because that's what i look at all day i'm on uh, chase weeble robin hood i'm on all that stuff all day so i'll leave that for more for another time tonight guess what guess what's tonight it's wanda vision wanda vision next episode it's actually been on today, but I'm watching it tonight. Uh, we got a lot of answers in Season 3, but also a lot of questions. Uh, it looks like the agent from Ant-Man is in it. Wu is in it. What's he doing? What's his connection to all this? Monica Rambeau's daughter uh, is in it. What's all these connections? What kind of world is this? I think we're going to get a lot of answers tonight, halfway through the season. I think it's going to pick up. It's really good. There's been some Easter eggs. I saw this one thing of one of the twins that Wanda had uh, had like a indent on his forehead, kind of like the Mind Stone that Vision has. That was really cool to see. Uh, and this episode, I think, is going to be really good. This series is picking up, and it's amazing. So far, I love watching WandaVision. It is so, so good. So good to have Marvel back. Marvel back in the reins where they belong. The directing is amazing. The screenplay, the script, the dialogue between the characters. It's just, it's all so good. Uh, and their little fake TV world land type fantasy is good too. So then finally, before I go, leave you guys. It is my final Get Your Goat take. And I almost forgot about this. I almost did. And this is my Get Your Goat take is if Aaron Rodgers were to retire today and Patrick Mahomes were to retire today, uh, I think Patrick Mahomes deserves more first ballot Hall of Fame votes. Uh, I think he'd have a better Hall of Fame resume 
over Patrick Mahomes. That is my get-your-goat take. Both players retire today. Patrick Mahomes has a better case to getting into the Hall of Fame than Aaron Rodgers. You might just call me an Aaron Rodgers hater. You might call me a Mahomes rider. I don't care. But I see what I see. I've seen what I've seen for years. And I like more of what I've seen from Patrick Mahomes in three years than I've liked with Aaron Rodgers the past 12 or 13 or 14, however long it's been. Patrick Mahomes is greater than Aaron Rodgers career-wise. Don't at me. I'm sorry, but that was my get-your-goat take. I'm sorry to offend anybody out there. But this has been Get Your Goat. This has been Josh. Thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying it. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye, everybody. Have a great weekend.